Your favorite Lagos Talks podcasts are now available on all online podcast platforms. Simply search for Lagos Talks 913 on your preferred podcast platform. Lagos Talks 91.3. Join the conversation. It's Live Drive. You're listening to 91.3. This is Lagos Talks. Uh, it's Boxing Day. Not uh, a time to throw punches like Anthony Joshua, who did just that in a victorious fashion a few days ago. But a day to unbox gifts. And um, there's one man coming with gifts. He comes bearing gifts. Uh, his gifts are not tangible. They are intangible, but they are valuable. The man himself at the corridors of power Emmanuel Odeyemi, it is time for State of the Nation. The man in question is here. He joins via Zoom this evening. Emmanuel, how are you doing? A very good evening to you, my brother. Compliments of the season to you and to all of our listeners. And I hope everybody is having a nice time celebrating at this particular time. Regardless of the uh, the situations uh, that may be confronting us as individuals and as groups, as families, as a nation, I do hope that everybody is managing to have a swell time. Thanksgiving should be the name uh, on everybody's lips, at least for having life. That's mm. one thing everybody should be thankful for. Uh, some people wish they were alive today, but they're not. People lost their lives minutes before um, midnight, uh, signaling the uh, arrival of Christmas Day. Uh, some are in hospitals, nearly lucid enough to realize that people around them are celebrating. I've seen videos of celebrities, uh, uh, the latest one of the uh, Manchester United uh, players, male and female team, visiting the mm. hospitals. And it's totally heartbreaking to see people who do not have even have the opportunity to complain. So I think mm. the message is, if you're alive, anywhere you're out there, Give thanks to God. There's got to be a brighter day. Welcome onto the show once again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but how are you faring, though? You yourself? Yeah, it could be a lot better. But <laughs> <laughs> I have been very, very thankful. I've mm. battled the flu for weeks now. And uh, I'm just struggling, barely as it is. But I still had enough food. And um, all of the things I wanted yesterday, I, I broke all the boundaries yesterday. I, trust me. <laughs> At least, if if you air Mac one day in three sixty five days, then it's not too much to ask, right? So, um, exactly, we can just indulge ourselves for one day. At least exactly. one day. But here in the media, we have limited uh, opportunity for that. So we are here. Come rain, come shine, come public holiday. We're here to do justice to the issues on the table and today on state of the nation i'm sure that um emmanuel you would have a lot of things for us to beam our searchlight on and pay some more attention to as regards what is happening in our dear country nigeria yes there's uh, sadly enough the stories are not all encouraging there's there's gloom uh, apparently and uh, this one is a very very sad one no matter how much you try to look away, this is uh, a bit on the very high side. And uh, news reports uh, says that uh, gunmen have killed 96 persons and over 200 houses are burnt down 
in Plato State. And this is according to uh, official figures released by the police. Um, Kolaole, mm. I know you've seen the story. Uh, 15 communities, 15 were attacked uh, on Christmas Eve. 96 persons were losing their lives and 221 houses, according to the police, uh, were totally burned down. The assailants also destroyed eight vehicles and 27 motorcycles, um, according to the deputy superintendent of police and spokesperson of the police in Plato State, Alfred Alabo, uh, who spoke to uh, the journalists earlier today. Uh, according to him, this incident happened at about 10 p.m. when this gunman attacked 15 villages in Bokos and Barkinladi local government areas simultaneously. Uh, well, um, he listed the communities attacked as Ndong, Mofet, Makundari, Tamiso, Chiang, Tahore, Nawarba, Dares, Meinga, Dawat, and Butura Kampani. He also stated that the communities attacked in Barkinladi local government area were MTV, Yurum, and Darawat. Kolawale, this is another attack too many. Mm. And, you know, what bothers me as a person is when we have to read the stories about gunmen. At some point, it became a thing of fun. We were making jokes about unknown gunmen. And that's when I said, this problem is bigger than what we are even seeing because gradually, we are losing sense of our humanity when these things become almost normal to us. And then it is the figures that makes the news. If one person loses his or her life, it should be something that should break everyone's heart. But we have found ourselves in a situation where such killings have become almost commonplace. People read stories in the news and they flip past some of these stories because it really doesn't make any call in them anymore. And I think that that is even worse than um, the other impacts. What other perspectives you want to look at these crimes from? The fact that it doesn't really mean anything to, to us anymore is something that is very scary to me, Kolaboli. I don't know what you make of it, but it's just numbers. We've mm. seen videos where people are killed in very gruesome circumstances. People are buried, and then everyone walks away, and that's the end of it. I think at some point, we need to call ourselves to order and then start to make sense of how we put a stop to these killings. We simply cannot continue to go on like this. Something has to give. It's quite an interesting um, piece right there. Rather sad, uh, I must say. Um, I know that uh, the governor, um, I mean, Plotsu State is not new to the insecurity. Uh, the governor has been trying to control the situation. Maybe he's not doing enough. I think that's what a lot of people would say. Uh, well, I think a lot of people from Plateau, uh, Ganjua, you know, Pangshin, Langtang, and the other local government areas in Plateau State will be in a better position to comment on this. I recall sometime earlier this year, 
the governor, Caleb uh, Mutwang of uh, Plateau states, uh, it was quite optimistic that um, the ongoing security challenges bedeviling Plateau State will soon be a thing of the past. It was him speaking um, just a few months back. You know, it was uh, at the 43rd annual general meeting of uh, the Alumni Association of uh, National Institutes, as AANI, uh, over there in just Plateau State. And, um, I mean, I think, was it Plateau State? And this is not the first time that um, assailants are attacking or carrying out attacks during this festive season. It has happened time after time. And for one reason or the other, we don't seem to have a solution to the problem. So government in, government out, it seems like it's the same thing. So where exactly is the problem coming from? Is it um, at the federal level? Is it uh, at the local level? Is it a problem of um, strategizing or strategy as far as insecurity is concerned? Is it inadequacy on the path of the security agencies? Um, Is it political? I mean, there are a lot of questions right now. A lot of questions right now. Um, But let me see. I think Ayo Adio has just joined us. Ayo, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, my brother. How are you doing? Fantastic. Good to have you join us and uh, compliments of the season. Same to you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. Okay, so I think you came in at the right time. We, uh, I mean, Emmanuel threw in the, the first story regarding the uh, 15 uh, communities that were attacked by assailants, uh, you know, just a few hours back. And it's been the major topical of discourse on a lot of platforms at this point in time. Not one, not two, 15 communities uh, in Bukles and back in Lai, local government areas of Plateau States. Um, uh, on Christmas Eve, the killings happened. 96 persons were killed. Uh, 221 houses destroyed. Police has gone through with the details and they have confirmed that these are the statistics. Um, Ayo, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but definitely um, this cannot be good. This cannot be good. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I've been, I've been speaking about insecurity in northern Nigeria for, I've been quite loud about this for five years, and um, it would appear that not nothing fundamental has changed in the way that these conflicts have been approached in northern Nigeria. I think that we're repeating the same strategy um, and expecting a similar and expecting a different result. Um, what many will call insanity in many ways. The reality is that there are three major issues at play here. The first, of course, uh, is geography. The second is the capacity of the state uh, or or, or the lack of thereof to respond um, to violence or to keep the peace within its borders. You know, and of course, the third um, is what I'd like to call um, a pseudo-nationalism, you know, within our national borders. And I'll explain these three very quickly. And I'll mm-hmm. start with the, with the last one that I just mentioned. You see, 
one of the problems that we have in northern Nigeria or, or the violence that is unfolding or has been unfolding for several years and the fact that these Fulani terrorists um, can raid tens of villages um, and mind you, not just in Plateau, they do this in Benue, um, they do this in certain parts of Nasarawa, of course in southern Kaduna um, and to be fair, they also do this in Zamfara and of course in Katina. One of the reasons this happens is the fact that we have not clearly defined what our territories are and what makes up this territory. So when the country is talking about its territorial internment, in, in the Nigerian sense, it is vague. So, and this is a complex thing, you know, and it needs a bit of explaining. In, in, in northern Nigeria, there is not an ideological agreement of what constitutes a territorial integrity. And so you do not have the kind of multi-approach, um, uh, uh, on ha all hands on deck approach to deal with territorial issues because there are different definitions of what constitutes territory in northern Nigeria. And so, to the extent that there are certain people who ideologically believe that even though the Nigerian map shows that this is where your territory cuts across, you have people who hold allegiances to people in Chad, in Niger, uh, 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 and, in, and in many West African countries outside the borders of Nigeria. But are, are we very sure, so Ayo? Are we very sure, Ayo? Sorry to button there, but are we very sure that this is uh, inherently a case of a, a tussle for land and territory? So, so this is what I'm saying, exactly. So you, you have to look at it from the prism that, and I'm saying this and I'm trying to build this background so you understand why dealing with this problem is very difficult. Hmm. Because if we cannot agree if all hands cannot be on deck to deal with this problem, to say that this is our collective enemy, then we are not going to make progress. Now, I'm telling you why it is difficult to say this is a collective enemy. Because we are not clear of what constitutes territory in northern Nigeria. So, mm. if somebody comes in from Mauritania and he shares a similar identity with somebody in Katina Allah, then it becomes difficult to define what constitutes territory between two of you. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Mm. So when you are trying to build a, a, a multi-level approach to deal with these terrorists, it becomes difficult because the people you are trying to fight can pass through your borders and share identities with people within your territory. So that's the mm. problem. Ayo, Ayo, sorry. Can I quickly uh, throw in this one? Yes. If, if we if we have thus far identified the problem in this in this perspective that you have so elaborately painted, in 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 what's the quick fix if there is any? What's the quick fix solution to this problem? I I, I honestly wish that there was a quick fix. Now, okay, Emmanuel, the honest truth is that there would have been a quick fix if we did not have problem two, which is the lack of state capacity to respond to violence of non-state actors. 
So the Nigerian state lacks the capacity to maintain the peace within its borders. Mm. The Nigerian police for charge mm. of internal security does not have the capacity to maintain peace and order. Okay, gentlemen, we need to go happen. we need to go on the break right now. I also would be interested in knowing if it's a problem of capacity or even will or perhaps a combination of both. Uh, we'll come back to your thoughts on that, but we need to go on this break. You're listening to 91.3. This is State of the Nation with Emmanuel Odeyemi. My name is Kola Wale. Ayo Ideo is also here with us on the conversation. Very shortly, the phone lines will be open for you to join on in on the conversation. 91.3 Lagos Talks. Quick break and I'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. You're listening to 91.3 Lagos Talks. Uh, it is um, 5.22. Um, this is uh, Imanol Adeyemi. Um, Ayo is here with us. And before we went on that break, we were speaking about the issues uh, bedeviling Plateau states. Not anything new per se. Uh, the only thing uh, that is painful in all of this is the recurrence. It just seems to keep coming back. And coming back, and when you speak, it just seems like it's a stigma. When we speak about Plateau State, what comes to mind is insecurity. And Ayo is trying to paint a perspective right now. And before I went on that, break, I was asking Ayo if um, this was indeed a case of uh, incapacity, or maybe perhaps there's something more to it that meets the eye. So, welcome back, um, Ayo. Um, so, you, you can quickly build on what you were trying to, you know, develop the other time. Uh, you yes. you think it is about of, capacity? Uh, a lack of capacity here, my brother. A okay. complete lack of capacity. You see, the areas that were attacked, um, the local governments that were attacked, combined, mm. um, it's 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 over two thousand square meters. Uh, you know, it, it's almost it, it's it's. I'm thinking of a state. It's probably the size of Akure, if, if you want to argue those local governments, right? So. And those places do not have the presence of a police force. Even if they do, you just have very skeletal structures there uh, with a few policemen who do not have the kind of equipment to respond to this kind of violence. So you, you, have, you have hundreds and thousands of communities across Nigeria um, that are like sitting docks to terrorists because they do not have the presence um of security uh, operatives um or the strong presence of a state in fact you would hear in the interview that the governor granted today where he described some of these spaces as ungoverned spaces and you hear mm. that language my brother as mm. ungoverned spaces he he, he said so, that i don't know is is that uh, can we can we point fingers at him i mean that is outrightly saying that some areas are not under the security surveillance of state forces That's if you're going I'm to interpret that. that how is it possible that the language of ungoverned spaces it brings to question the legitimacy of the state to cope to police every inch or every border around its territory now that's the question at play here so you clearly cannot respond to this kind of violence that has been happening for at least two decades because the state cannot effectively respond. You don't have well-trained policemen. You don't have properly motivated policemen. 
you don't have well resourced and equipped you know policemen you don't even have you know a police force that has the kind of technological advancement you know that is required for policing in the 21st century and even more importantly the kind of policing that we need really and truly is not such that is dwelt on just kinetic response alone you need like i always argue nigeria is at a point where it needs a lot more social scientists you need people in the police force who are professionals of human behavior and people who know how to coordinate societal organization in such a way that they do this by going either on radio either by adding things in school curriculums and all of that now my brother the police cannot afford all of these things and that's the reality we are in in our country today so these things unfortunately will continue to happen and it's not a curse it will continue to happen because the state cannot deal with it the state cannot deal with this level of violence and it will continue to as sad as it as it is except there is a will to change the approach to deal with this kind of conflict if we don't change our approach if we continue on this trajectory it will continue to happen until such a time that the government will lose so much legitimacy that citizens will have to take up the laws into their hands and it will become a wild wild west completely i mean and we don't want to get into that point interesting um but you know so we have some sort of discrepancy well as nigerians perhaps we should uh maybe be obliged to, you know, uh, align with our security forces. Uh, the police is saying 96 persons were killed. Of course, the president has waited in. He has condemned uh, the attacks uh, in Bukos and Bakinladi, local government areas of Plateau State. Now, the discrepancy here is that the police in Plateau confirmed that at least 96 persons, uh, maybe not a discrepancy, but, you know, a way to... You know, deliver the information in a in a in a softer way, because they said at least ninety six persons were killed in the attacks that occurred on Christmas Eve. But global human rights group Amnesty International, however, said about a hundred and forty people were killed in the attacks. So Amnesty International insisting that well, ninety six is way off what we are reporting. A hundred and forty people were killed instead uh now you mentioned something the other time io that i hope we would not get to the point where uh we just see these things as as um as normal as a norm you know people's lives are taken and then it's just another terrible day at the office and nothing more is done about this now if the police are saying 96 persons um were killed or about at least 96 persons were killed and amnesty international is saying 140 are killed that's a that's a that's a big difference, you know. That's that's a big difference of say like uh, uh, forty four thereabouts, you know. So, um, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, do you think this is just a reflection of um, the seeming uh, docileness towards arresting the situation? Um, I tell you, this matter hurts me a lot, and it, it's. I feel so pained. I'm even struggling to 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 speak to it because 
I find that this thing happens over and over and over and over and over again. For instance, we can't even tell the exact amount of people that has been killed and trust the numbers um, from key state actors to tell us the numbers of persons that have been killed. We have to rely on international agencies to report on the amount of people who have been so gruesomely murdered. Now, this is the kind of legitimacy that I keep hammering around. We can't trust our people to count the dead. Our people, Nigeria is such an amazing country that mm. we can't even conduct a credible census. We don't know who, how many, how many constitutes, uh, how many, how many are citizens spread across this country. We don't have data of any credible thing in our country. We're just living like we're living like people in the Stone Age, right? And it hurts me so much because our politicians are the most rewarded in the world for this incompetence that they deliver to our people. And I tell you most sincerely, a lot will change when people decide that enough is enough. Kade, Joss, if you knew Joss very well, mm, yeah. the white men settled in Joss you know, in the early 50s, in the 40s, because of course, obviously the weather, um, they liked the weather and it resonated with them. And so you had a lot of factories in Joss back in the day, you know, that used to produce a lot of stuff and a lot of businesses, tourism and the likes used to flourish in Joss, which is why to date, you see that a lot of Nigerian artists from Northern Extraction are people who are lived in Joss. Now, unfortunately today, many of those businesses no longer exist in Plateau State. And the reason they no longer exist in Plateau State is because of insecurity. Now, a vicious cycle has been triggered in Joss because the more insecurity continues in Plateau State, the more businesses are going to relocate. The more businesses relocate, unemployment is going to surge and that means insecurity will continue to happen. Now, my argument is why is there not a martial plan to effectively deal with peace and stability in northern Nigeria? Because if you restore peace and stability to many cities in the northern part of the country, people will have confidence to bring back investments. Jobs will be created and the economy will flourish. But unfortunately, these politicians are not motivated to deal with the problem that is consuming our land because there is no i mean you you just pointed out that the president did not even put out a tweet until almost 24 hours later there is no democracy in the world today Kyle, that citizens will be murdered on christmas day like this and the commander-in-chief will not be speaking angrily directly to the people even if he doesn't fly into plateau state he'll be speaking from his base addressing the country and pulling what needs to pulling what resources that needs to be pulled to ensure that justice is served in plateau state what do we get we are mm. celebrating birthdays of, of, of people on the timeline mm. so this is the problem i'm telling you mm. you have a country where your leaders are disconnected from the realities of the people so the people who live in the hinterlands, in the villages, in the communities across the Middle Belt and the North are easily killed, massacred and destroyed 
because they mean nothing to the political elites. These people do not have healthcare, they do not have schools, they do not have hospitals, they do not have police stations. We abandoned them year in, year out, and now they have become cannon fodder for, 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 for terrorists and bandits who are extracting taxes from them, who are killing their children, who are destroying their livelihoods. And these things will continue, Kayede. These things will continue because we have a politician or a political elite that have no pressure whatsoever. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure whatsoever to deliver. No pressure. And you see, Plato State becomes peculiar. And I tell you why. Because you now have a group of political class in Plato State who were never voted in. Who are now going to be operating the levers of government in Plateau. You know that the appeal court judgment sacked all the senators, sacked all the uh, uh, um, federal house of representatives, sacked all the state house of assemblies because of, you know, a pre-election matter that was not properly followed, right? And then most of those seats were now turned over to, to, to you know, opposition parties in Plateau State. So they have people governing them at the moment who were not elected, which caused the question a lot of legitimacy issue. So, I, I, I mean, it, this matter, if we begin to speak to it, we might take the whole thing and still not even scratch the surface. But one thing is clear from the foregoing, that the government has failed these people. Oh, right. And we ourselves, we Nigerian citizens in the comfort of our homes in Lagos and Abuja, have also failed them because we have refused to put pressure on the people who are saddled with not just the responsibility but the powers to effect change and we have let them off so easily that there is no pressure whatsoever on them to deliver mm. i rest my group all right all right i thank you for that perspective we're getting some messages right now by the way very soon the phone lines will be open for you to join the conversation 535 you're listening to the state of the nation with Emmanuel, my name is Kola Wole. Ayo Adio is also on the on the call this evening. Emmanuel stepped out. Uh, he's having some difficulties with connecting, but he should be back with us. So let me quickly um, push across another um, story that is uh, making the rounds right now. It's about uh, oil. I know a lot of people would say, here we go again. Uh, but this time around, it's happening in River State. Nigerian Air Force destroys six illegal oil refining sites in rivers. So the drama isn't stopping at uh, the level of uh, the state house, Fubara and the FCT minister. Um, the Nigerian Air Force has destroyed six illegal oil refining sites in River State, according to stories making around on the Premium Times. Uh, the Nigerian Air Force NAF says uh, the air components of uh, Operation Delta Safe uh, on the 23rd of December destroyed six illegal oil refining sites in Oku Arubana in uh, Degema local government area of River States. Uh, the Nigerian Air Force spokesperson Edward uh, Gabquet disclosed this in a statement on uh, Tuesday. That's earlier today in Abuja. Mr. Gabquet, uh, an air commodore, uh, said the airstrikes were in continuation of efforts to read the Niger Delta region of activities of oil thieves and um, oil pipeline vandals. Uh, 
Now, let me just stop you here. Uh, these are definitely cases of insecurity. In this case, um, a threat to our economy. Um, but, I mean, if they can go about parading the airspace of River State and they are able to successfully uh, nip in the bud, quote-unquote, illegal oil refining sites, what is stopping them from doing the same in uh, areas like uh, Plateau State where lives are actually being taken? I mean, if they're going to weigh what is weighty, Definitely the lives of Nigerians way more than barrels of oil. What do you think, Ayo? Well, I think that's where you're mistaken. Um, because a barrel of oil is worth much more than the lives of um, people in certain communities in this country. Oh, my days. That's the reality. However sad as it is, that's the reality. Um, but also even to the point um, that you just raised in the Niger Delta, even with all of these so-called surveillance that you have, you know, rightfully mentioned, there is still a lot of theft going on in the Niger Delta, which explains why we're struggling in our budget, where we estimated that we wanted to be producing about 1.8 million barrels of oil per day. At the moment, we're barely doing 1.2 million. Uh, the reason, obviously, is because of theft, vandalism, and in some cases, insecurity. So, one of the reasons we are not producing as much as we should be producing, because we have the capacity to even do 2.1 to 2.2 million barrels of oil per day, mm. is because we, the state does not have the capacity to ensure that we meet our optimal production. There is all sorts of internal sabotage, um, insecurity, theft, and all of that. Um, that makes it impossible for us to realize our full potential. Um, so whether it's in the Niger Delta, whether it's in the North, there is clear evidence of the inability of the state to keep the peace within its borders. And again, if we do not change the way we approach internal security, um, nothing, nothing I tell you, my brother, nothing is going to change. People will be... I mean, I remember, I think it was it was sometime last month or two months ago when I was on this show, and I made the point to Emmanuel then that, you know, because there is so much conversation about the economy and most of the reporting in recent times, especially since President Tinubu got elected, has been around the economy, especially because of the policies that he's put in place people have forgotten or people or the media has looked away from the continuous killings that have continued across the country. Uh, and because of the focus of the media on the economy, people have suddenly forgotten that we have a serious national security crisis. But I think that this was too loud to ignore and it's brought it back to the front burner. But it will not change if we do not change our approach. And I hope that we come to that realization that we have to change the way we are approaching security in Nigeria. And that change has to start by citizens signaling to the political elite in this country that they will no longer tolerate this incompetence. And that the political class will have to be under immense pressure to deliver to deliver the reason for constitutional democracy 
you know that one of the only promises that the constitution makes is the right to life and one of the only commitments that the state has to the citizen is the protection of life and property and if it fails in this primary responsibility then it means government has failed and it means we no longer live in a constitutional democracy so our politicians must be pressured to live up to the tenets of the constitution to deliver peace and security and mm. stability to mm. every corner of our country because yeah, if right. we fail to do that then kind of your guess is as good as okay oh, all right um well thank you very much the phone lines are buzzing uh, i can see some messages as well brewing um of course send in your messages let me sift through and do justice to so send them to 0809 If you look at the Punch newspaper, you'd find um, another story. Uh, Omahi's younger brother seeking to replace uh, ex-governor in Senate. Uh, the chief, that's Chief Austin Omahi, the younger brother of uh, former governor of Ebony State. Dave Omahi has indicated interest in contesting for the Ebony South senatorial seat rerun scheduled for February 2024. The seat became vacant after the former governor vacated the seat to take up an appointment as the Minister of Works. Um, Austin announced his ambition at a news briefing on Monday in Abakaliki adding that he remained a top contender for the position. He said that uh, he was eminently qualified for the position. Uh, I don't know if um, he's under pressure to prove his um, qualification and perhaps the connection uh, with him and his brother. Um, what sort of coincidence is this? Uh, his brother was supposed to be manning that post and then when he had to take up a ministerial position, uh, it so happens that his brother, Austin Omahi, is now in poll position to contest for this senatorial rerun on uh, the on February 2024. Quickly, Ayo, what are your thoughts on this one? Is Ayo still with us? Well, the truth is there's nothing yeah. in the Constitution that stops him from running. Mm. And, you know, while, you know, I have a personal, you know, I, I just don't want to dwell on what um, something that is not a non-legality. He has the right to contest. He has the right to run. If he buys the nomination form of the political party, if he's duly nominated, if he contests the elections and the people vote for him and the process is credible, transparent, then, you know, he's earned the right to emerge from that process. Um, you know, but I, I want to leave that decision to the people of a boy and particularly um the senatorial district where he wants to contest you know from and um they will be the ultimate judge uh because people must be responsible for the leaders that they elect and not come and mm. cry foul you know after electing the people um into office so i'd i'd, I'd leave that responsibility to the people of a boy that if, if they feel 
you know, that the governor was so good to them, you know, and they want an extension by his brother, um, and they want to do it through a democratic process, so, so be it. Now the question um, now, is it really, is it really, is that really the, the narrative, you know, oh, this is his brother, oh, he had a fantastic time with us as governor, and we believe yeah, I mean, that his brother exactly. would do something similar. Yeah, that, that sentiment would apply, right, that, you know, perhaps the brother did excellently well in government, and, um, you know, the people feel that, or may feel that, you know, his brother might be an extension of that goodwill, or they want to repay that goodwill mm. to the former governor by electing the brother. I think that that becomes their own prerogative. And, right. you know, like I said, Nigerians also need to start taking responsibility um, for the kind of leaders that emerge. Right. You know, we cannot keep shouting, you know, that these are your leaders. When we say we are running a democracy, when it's the people that have the power to elect. Mm. So, it's their responsibility to look at the candidates, you know, and turn out in mass to vote for or against whoever, mm. uh, because they are the ones that are going to be the receiving end of that person's representation at the Senate. Okay. And as long as it's legal, mm. which it clearly is, um, I'll just leave that decision for, for the people of the point. All right. All right. I'll, we'll go on a quick break again. When we come back, we'll hear from um, our friends who are listening from every part of the world. Right now, I'll take some calls. You make a brief 30 seconds each, and I'll take a couple of messages. Our time is really fast spent. You're listening to the State of the Nation. This is 91.3. Okay, 0809-234-5913. My name is Kola Wole. Uh, let's see, we have the phone lines blazing hot right now. 91.3, hello. Please turn down the volume of the radio. Hello? Yes, welcome. 91.3. Quickly, what's your name? This is Usman from Obalinde. Go ahead, quickly. Hello? Oh, dear. Hello? Hi, Kola. How are you doing? Very well. What's your name? This is Remy. Remy, quickly. You have 30 seconds. Yes. Um, kudos to the IO. I quite agree with everything you said. Um, lastly, I saw one of the old tweets of Tinubu about 2014. Um, swinging the box stops on Jonathan's table to stop um, the insecurity in the country. Fast forward to 2023, he's now the president. How soon is he going to like make things work? Mm. Two hours after, he's yet to speak to the nation, which is very, very wrong as a leader. I know his supporters will tell you he uh, um, can't be held responsible, but the box stops on his table as the leader of this country. I just hope you do the need to Okay, okay. All right. Thank you very much. 91.3, hello. Okay, 0809-234-5913. 0809-234-5913. Hello? Please turn down the volume of your radio when you call. Usman, welcome. Go ahead. 30 seconds. Good about the Air Force. So mm. all this effort, they can see, they, they can see the location where they are for the final Or they cannot see all this, uh, uh, all this, uh, uh, what their name say, all this terrorists, all these bodies. They are killed people yesterday, they are over 120. So all this, all this effort, they cannot see where they, where they are living. So they cannot see inside the forest, but they can go to all that side to uh, destroy the final Yeah. 
Okay. All right. So thank you very much. Ninety-one point three. Okay. Let me see what we have. We have some WhatsApp messages. Our time is really running fast. Uh, let me quickly take uh, this one. Uh, Kane from Ajao Estate is saying, "Good evening, Ayo, Emmanuel, uh, the Don, and our hosts." Uh, news coming in from the southeast has it that cases of silent kidnappings um, have been going on since people started returning. Um. Where are you getting your own confirmation from, though? Um, Kane, you want to call in and give us some perspective on that? Uh, you're talking about insecurity in the southeast and cases of kidnappings. I haven't confirmed anyone. Uh, we cannot, um, you know, confirm any stories right now. But, of course, we know that some of these stories are not new to the southeast. Okay. What about this current wave? Uh, linked to the festive season, we cannot confirm that. Uh, you're saying that just changed because the home people decided to become docile and allow uh, clamor for an Emirates and just to take peace away from the peaceful city. I spent six years of my growing up life in Joss, but I couldn't even go there for a farming internship last year because I was advised not to venture on that journey. Uh, Kane from Ajao Estate. Let's see now. Jaja sent in a message. Says, uh, uh, "What annoys me the most is the fact that the president and the federal government know the people responsible for the terrorism ravaging uh, Nigeria. The United Arab Emirates um, have given the president names of Nigerians responsible for terrorism in Nigeria. Is the president not mocking the people of Plateau State when he says he is sorry about the attacks when he knows?" Those responsible are the military and police not mocking victims of terrorism when the president knows those responsible. Just like Ayo said, Nigerians must pick up arms to defend themselves since the president and the terrorists. Okay, Uh, your point is taken, but we don't want to make unnecessary statements. 91.3, hello. Hello. Okay, hello. Good evening to you. Welcome. I'm fine. This is Rashma Toka. All right, quickly. Good evening, Mr. Ayo. Very quickly, um, what we, what I can say about these killings, unfortunately, cannot mm. be said on radio. Mm. Uh, not because I'm afraid, but because of how to protect the guys, they are being listening to my MDC. But I can tell you that it's ideological. You know, you tell us that it was farmers' era clash. You mystified that. Now that's been quiet. Because that Lambert is not said again. And one day, the answer we get will not be funny. That's, 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 that's the thing right. that concerns me. Right. Because if the government does not do their part, and, and people get to the point that they say, wait, you have nothing to lose. It's terrible. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we can't take any more calls. We have to wrap it up in like two and a half minutes, two minutes max. Emmanuel and Ayo, let, let, let's um, hear from Ayo quickly. And then um, Emmanuel will wrap things up. I think I'll just say that I, I hope that um, the people whose families have been brutally murdered would, would get justice. You know, I pray for the fortitude for them, the ones alive to bear that loss. But more importantly, I hope that there is there is a change. A fundamental change to the mm. way that we approach na- national security. All right. uh, because if we don't change that approach, nothing will change. Mm. Okay. Uh, 
Um, Emmanuel, quickly, wrap it up. Um, let, let's um, land this vessel. Yes, I, I would rather just uh, to Ayo's line and also encourage people to understand that the job of securing ourselves and our communities is not for the security agencies alone. And we don't really have to do anything. We just have to be very, very security conscious. Notice the little, little things around us, uh, any difference in patterns, and always just make the efforts to observe what is going on around you. And with that, I'd like to say a very big thank you for, to all of our listeners who have been with us on this journey uh, this year. Ayo, Adio, thank you so much for always making our time to be on the show with us. It's not easy uh, juggling all mm. of life's daily uh, challenges uh, with having to come on to the show to have this very enlightening conversations uh, with, the view, with the view to finding ways forward collaboratively. Thank you very much uh, for helping out all the time. And to all of our listeners, the message is very, very clear. There is hope in the horizon. Keep believing in yourselves. Keep believing in Nigeria. And we will be back with you next year by the grace of God. And I'll ask you for the last time this year, 2023, do you know who your neighbor is? Your favorite Lagos Talks podcasts are now available on all online podcast platforms. Simply search for Lagos Talks 913 on your preferred podcast platform. Lagos Talks 91.3. Join the conversation.